right. Well, let's um, open scriptures close to the middle um, to the book of Job. And we're just going to spend a few minutes here um, thinking with, with the book of Job about worship amidst suffering. And let's start by another word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time to gather together. Thank you for the time that we have to, to pray as brothers and sisters about the, the things coming before this church, about the um, missions, opportunities near and far, about the gospel going forth around the world. Lord, now as we open your word, I pray that you would help us to see great and wonderful things from your word, even from this, this passage that can be a somber and sobering passage. Um, I pray that you would um, help us to have ears to hear what you have for us from, from this part of your word. Thank you that it, you gave it all for our benefit and for our good, in Jesus' name. So, it's easy to praise God when things are going well, when things are good. The birth of a new child, it's easy to thank God for that. Good job offer, easy to say, thank you, Lord, for your provision. Um, it's easy to go into sort of a certain kind of Christian uh, trite response. Somebody says, oh, good job on the piano solo. Oh, all the glory to God. Uh, or I'm, I'm not really a competent pianist, but those of you who are musicians, you know, this. people will come up and they'll give a compliment and it's like, ah, I direct the praise to God. It can become kind of a, a habit, a Christian performance. Um, but, but all these things are, these are the good things, the, the easy things to be thankful for, the easy things to direct praise to God. And certainly, I know I don't do this often enough. Um, there are countless ways that we should all be thankful to God. Uh, I didn't think about thanking God for the ability to walk down the street until I fractured my ankle at the start of this summer. So uh, there are always things that we should be thankful for. But, but what does worship look like when things are not going well? When it's not the birth of a child or getting a job or you did a great job on that piano solo or delicious meal that was prepared or what do you do when we're facing loss, experiencing pain, we've lost a job, lost a loved one. In that regard, Job has a great deal to teach us. So today's text is from Job chapter 1. And I'm just going to read these two verses, two short verses, um, and Think about what Job has for us. 
Job chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So who's Job? Job is a righteous man who trusts and worships God. When we're introduced to him in the scripture, uh, 20 verses before where we started here, he is not only an exceptionally righteous, godly man, we're also introduced to a man who is extraordinarily successful on basically every human metric. He has a large and apparently happy family. He has massive amounts of, uh, of physical wealth in terms of um, livestock that he possesses. He's got many employees who manage his large and flourishing herds. Um, and in fact, in his prominence, um, Job 1.3 says, this man Job was the greatest of all the men of the East. He's an incredibly prominent, successful man, and he fears God and he loves the Lord. And over the course of chapter 1 of Job, everything in quick succession starts to come apart. Satan, the devil, the adversary, he attacks Job in every area. Job's children are killed when a house collapses in a storm. Job's servants are attacked, and many of them are killed by raiding parties coming from the south, the Scythians, and the north, the Chaldeans. And Job's livestock are either stolen by the raiders or killed by harsh weather conditions. And this is where we meet Job in today's passage. He's just learned of all these tragedies. And now we see what he does in response to this devastating day. And the first thing that he does, it says Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. And that is, it's a, something that I had actually passed over many times reading this. But actually the first thing that he's doing here is he's grieving. So tearing clothes, shaving the head, these were uh, customs in the ancient Near East to express grief. And you notice these aren't things that one does just on a whim. It's not something like he hears the news and he's just, oh, that, you know, he ex gives an exclamation or, you know, he cries out in shock. Actually, these are very intentional things that he did and he gave thought to that he was going to express his grief. He was, he was grieving. And this, I think, is worth pausing to notice because he wasn't a stoic. He wasn't someone who just um, stiff upper lip and try to ignore it. He felt keenly the loss he had suffered. And this is something that also sometimes in um, our Christian community, it's sometimes easy to feel like, oh, the right way to respond to grief is to um, something, say something, you know, it is well with my soul. I'm not going to express grief. I'm not going to act sad. 
um, because, well, that would be a lack of faith in God. Um, but no, it's really something that Job here expresses sorrow. We live in a fallen world that groans under the weight of sin. Um, and it's okay to recognize that. Death is an enemy. 1 Corinthians 15. Death is the last enemy that Christ will defeat. Suffering and pain are not part of God's very good design. In the end, when Christ restores all things, he will wipe away every tear. But right now, we live with the consequences of sin. So it's okay with Job to sorrow and to grieve. And we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We know that there is a hope, that, but Job also reminds us that while we are here, we grieve. Because that's the first thing Job does. And this is actually a message to myself as much as to anyone here. I, my tendency is um, I'm not someone who tends to emote um, publicly or visibly. I tend to be a very cerebral person in my own uh, inclinations. So this, in coming to this passage, this is a message to me as well. Um, preaching to myself here. Okay, but Job doesn't, that's not all Job does. What else does he do? The next thing Job does after starting to mourn is to, is to fall to the ground and worship. At this moment of suffering and grieving and pain, it's hard to shift our focus. It's hard to look past the suffering. But what happens with worship? Where is the focus in worship? It is on the Lord. What is worship? It takes so many forms. In Scripture, we see song, prayer, reading and hearing of God's word. It can en encompass a number of heart attitudes. Um, as one of the, the confessions of faith puts it, um, God is to be feared and loved and praised and called upon and trusted in and served with all the heart and all the soul and all our strength. But God is to be worshipped and the centerpiece of all this is the Lord. Worship is given to God alone. And even in the midst of his tragedy, Job turns his attention to God. He doesn't remain simply in a state of of mourning, but he also then looks up to worship the Lord. He took his sight off of himself and fixed his sights on God. Worship redirects our gaze. Um, and this is really it's another point that, um, that Pastor Garrett made in um, the first sermon on, on, first Corinthian, uh, on Second Corinthians um, a couple weeks ago. Um, and here we see Job doing this apparently by himself at the outset. And worship can happen individually, it can happen in small groups, but it also happens corporately. And so as we think about the place of worship in suffering, I think this is also a good place as a reminder that we worship the Lord together as well as individually. And 
often in the midst of suffering, it's the last place I think that I want to be, what is being around other people. I might want to be alone with my, my suffering, my grief, my, you know, feeling down. But that's, that's not how God designed the church. The church is here to bear one another's burdens. And so for those who are experiencing sorrow or grief, it's a reminder, bring it and, and be in fellowship. And for those who are not in the midst of that, it's a reminder, as you're coming to worship, congregationally, communally, corporately, there are those around who are in the midst of suffering and sorrow. And you may be there on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening or in a uh, fellowship group. You may be there to lift up those around you who are in the midst of sorrow. So uh, that's the focus of worship. It's on the Lord. And we together can help encourage one another to put our sights on the Lord. Um, Job also reminds us that worship is not just for the happy. And if we look at the book of Psalms, this is reinforced over and over and over again. What do the Psalms say? Hear my prayer, O Lord, let my cry come to you. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. And there's none to help. And on and on and on and on we could go. Um, and these are the inspired word of God as much as the happy, cheerful psalms um, that praise God for his provision and for good things. Um, but these psalms that come to the Lord from the depths of despair. Worship is not just for the happy. Um, the theologian uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, once remarked that um, the Psalms are such a great guide to worship. And sometimes you might read a Psalm that you read it and you think, I don't know that I really relate to that right now. And his comment was, the time will come when you do. The Psalms are there as a model for us. So Job points us that even in the midst of sorrow, we worship. Worship is not just for the happy. It's not just for the people experiencing something good. And then what does Job do in his worship? He said, Naked came I from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We don't know all the details of what Job's worship looked like, but we know that he blesses the Lord. We see him modeling this in the most difficult, challenging circumstances. And it reminds us of a couple things. First, that there's so little we actually possess. We can't control the circumstances around us. We can't take our stuff with us into eternity. We can't even take the people around us, not by our strength, with us uh, into, into heaven. Um, we can pray for them. We should be faithfully proclaiming the word. But it's not that we can bring anyone around us or anything uh, with us. And 
as much as this is a sobering thought, it's also a freeing thought and that Job can rest on God's sovereignty, that the more that we think of ourselves as the ones in control, that we're the ones who can take, the, you know, if only I could have done this better, I could have made sure that this person came with me to a safe place and was out of this, this danger, and if only I had thought through this better, I could have taken this, I could have worked this person into, uh, into salvation and into eternity. Well, ultimately, we need to be faithful and obedient in proclaiming the gospel and, and so on, but we don't have control. We aren't the ones who get to decide uh, the days of life and of death. And in that, there is also a freedom from guilt that in sorrow it's often easy to, certainly for myself, think of, boy, what could I have done differently? What could I have uh, done to avoid something bad? Um, and, but Job does not give in to, to despair and sorrow, and he does that by looking to the sovereignty of God. And Job blesses the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And here, this is, um, this is the, the Hebrew personal name of God, the yud heh vav -Heh, often translate Yahweh or Jehovah, depending on your, your Bible translation or transliterated. Um, but Job is indicating he knows God personally. And he doesn't ascribe to God evil. He knows that every good and perfect gift comes from God. He knows that God is sovereign over, over all that happens around. Um, Dave Sutton uh, has a great message uh, meditating on um, Romans 8.28 from a couple weeks ago, which if you weren't here, listen to that. Um, God is sovereign and he works things together for good and there's a hint of this in, in Job's uh, blessing the Lord even in this difficult time. Because God is, does, is, as James said, God does not tempt us with evil. God is sovereign over even evil, but God is good and God is loving and he works for our good. In fact, to such an extent that Jesus himself entered into our pain and entered into our suffering and he experienced it all. He suffered, he wept at the death of a friend, he experienced rejection from family members, he experienced betrayal from a close friend, he experienced death in a heinous and torture-filled experience. And he did it all for us. And he enters into that. And ultimately, he redeems us even from our suffering. And it's with the confidence in God that Job could affirm, we who received the fullness of God's love through Christ can only say all the more so, blessed be the name of the Lord. So even in the midst of a sorrow-filled, suffering-filled world, Job is a reminder that, yes, we can grieve, but we can also, can and should, worship and take our attention from ourselves, cast our eyes on the Lord, and turn to him. And may we say with Job, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, 
better know where people are at, what kinds of suffering and grief are in this room tonight. Or who in our, our lives, our families, may be going through suffering and grief, and you have us there to play some role in encouragement or coming alongside in worship. But please, give us the strength. Give us that encouragement that you gave to Job. We can say, blessed be your name. Even in the midst of suffering, we thank you that you came into our suffering. And indeed, you suffered for us to bring us salvation. In Jesus' name.